0: I'm Brooke Lamb. And I'm Lindsay Sampson. And this is Kismet, a podcast exploring the big and small moments in life that change us. We hope you find here an invitation to notice more fully the presence of love in your own life and receive the gifts of the stories of others. Thanks for listening.
1: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Kismet.
0: We are thrilled to have with us Andrew McFadden Ketchum, who is uh, a local Nashville author. He's a poet. And we're just really excited to hear from you today.
2: Me too. Yeah. I don't thank know what's going to happen. Well, who knows?
0: <laughs> who even knows? So, why don't you give us a little just bio, like a brief bio for the listeners, who you are, where they can find you in the world, what you do.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm a born and raised Nashvilleian. I grew up in Sylvan Park before it was the Sylvan Park that it is today. I wrote my first poem at the Produce Place. I don't know if you guys know what that is. I do. That, yeah, yeah, I do. yeah. That That happened when I was 14, so that was 28 years ago. I've published three books of poetry. Um, this third one, Fight or Flight, came out like a month ago. Yeah, I think maybe a month ago today now that I think about it. I make a living in a number of ways, but uh, as a writer... Uh, I have a ghostwriting, editing business uh, that you can uh, look into at andrewmk.com. I've been married to uh, another uh, native Nashvilleian, uh, Karen Carr, for almost a year. It'll be a year on the 13th. And I have three kids. They're, they're her kids. Biologically, I'm a stepdad, so I'm a, a proud stepfather of three kids. And, uh, yeah, you can, I'm on Facebook um on Instagram technically. I don't really do anything on Instagram except that I guess the cool kids are on Instagram, so you kinda have to be on Instagram. And I ditched my Twitter account five years ago and i never looked back.
0: I'm curious about this because I'm noticing it right now that so there's a on the front cover of Fight or Flight, your your new book that just came out. Is this beautiful is it a raven?
2: It's a red winged blackbird.
0: Red winged blackbird, okay. And it's got the yeah, this nice pretty color on the wing but then i that's what i was about to say yeah, is i'm yeah. also noticing that you have a tattoo on your forearm that's the same bird so yeah. obviously there's some kind of connection there
2: so the red-winged blackbird is known for a number of things they are ground nesters and all the red-winged blackbirds that you see that look like this are males the females look like a, a really ornate sparrow actually they're hard to like pick out but these guys like they're very obvious. When they open their wings, you're like, whoa, like, you'll, you'll see this? And you'll be like, ah, that's what he's talking about. Like, you, for, for the rest of your life, you'll see them, and you'll be like, that's a red-winged blackbird, because you can't miss them. But what they're really known for and what I really like about them is, one, they're known for traveling about. So they're nomadic, much like me, and then they will defend any bird its size or smaller it doesn't matter what type of bird they'll defend a sparrow they'll defend a any any bird a chickadee any bird smaller than it that's under attack by virtually anything like if a human is going after a sparrow and a red-winged blackbird's in the area it's gonna come right at you i mean it'll come right at you it's crazy these things are mean that's
0: awesome <laughs> well, that's like so, amazing Why, like what is yeah. how did that happen
2: Oh, who knows? You know, uh, Darwin might know. I mean, but so, you know, for me, really, it's it has a lot to do with uh, my activist life. Like, um, I feel like in activism, like, what we're often doing is we're defending, like, the smaller group, the less appreciated, taken care of group, marginalized group, like, particularly if you're a white male. I mean, that's most everyone, you know, so... It's a big responsibility, but it's also just, like, a good goal. It's a good thing to have in mind. And so the bird, you'll notice, is not looking at you. It's looking at me. Like, so when I look down, we're, like, looking at each other. I just very meaningful for me. And I got this when I was off writing this book, traveling around, trying to figure out my life. So got it in Los... No, I got it in San Luis Obispo, California, when I was living... In a 12 person tent, 15 minutes away in Los Osos, California, going to a Starbucks every day and writing this book. So it's like it had to be on the cover. Yeah. And then what's happening here is that is a crow, I think. You know, I don't really care about that one. So what's happening is, I don't know if you see this, but crows are often, often go after the nests of birds. And right now, if you just drive around Nashville for 10 minutes and just look around up in the sky, you'll see little birds going after big birds. And that's what they're doing. They're protecting their nests. And often they do it as a community.
1: Talk to us a little bit about sort of whether it's in a more formal setting or an informal setting. Like what sort of feeds your spirit right now?
2: So I grew up across from St. Anne's Catholic Church in sylvan park it's across from the gold domed church on charlotte so if you if you ever drive down to charlotte you go oh okay so i grew up across the street and our neighbors were the forts still are but the original forts have passed away and now it's their daughter and granddaughter who live there i remember i when i was a kid i was sort of forced into the church like by some bullies and i, I like passed out it was so scary you know like my parents were like anti-church basically they just had a lot of bad experiences with the church. I mean, who doesn't? You know, this is pretty normal. You know, so I had no church life growing up, like at all. I think I tried a few churches. I did a girl who went to a church, but then like we were on a school, like a church trip, and none of them would wear their seatbelts because God was going to save them. And I was just like, no, that's not my thing. Yeah, I had, I did not have a good start. But like, what's really interesting is that my first book, Ghost Gear, is largely about growing up here in Nashville and Sylvan Park. And the first line of the first poem is, what do I know of God, but that each winter, I thank him for it. Which I've since gone back. And if I could edit that line, it would be this. What do I know of God, but that each winter, I thank God for it. I don't know why I had to genderize God. and But when I, this is actually a problem at the time. I was like, if I said her, it was just, awkward which is maybe a little antiquated of me but it was awkward for me and it and them and they and so, why did I just call God God like, it's so obvious it didn't occur to me has sense anyway And you know, it's sort of a joke like oh thank God it's winter but like people that's like a thing people say oh thank God I got some coffee this morning it's like did God really have a hand in you're getting that cup of coffee he's like well Maybe. I mean, I don't know. You know, who knows? So, like, I, I spent a long time, like, having this weirdly, like, spiritual existence that came from basically, I don't know where, from basically nowhere. Like, if you, if you read, read my books and you'll be like, this guy is clearly invested in God. And, like, I believe in God now. I know that, you know, I've, I've touched someone. I have, I have a, a spirit of a dead person has, like, said things to me. Like, I know what goes on past... Well, I don't actually know anything, but I know there is something. These days, I have finally found a spiritual home in the Infinity Fellowship in North Nashville, run by Jeff and Kenetha Carr. It's not a church. It's a fellowship. So it's like every Sunday, we will explore some aspect of spirituality. Sometimes we're quoting Einstein. Sometimes we're quoting Jesus. Sometimes it's... Who knows? It just... We, he, whatever Jeff has come up with to look at. There's no book that we follow or anything like that. It's a real community of people. So that feeds me spiritually. In fact, I went there this Sunday after not having gone for several months because I just hadn't been able to get there. And it was like, right, I've really been needing to do this. And the last question, last answer to the question is my children. Um, I, I've, it's been a rough couple of months for me. I don't really know why. It's just been, I had a great start to the year and then. You know what I mean like sometimes just some funks descend and like I have some theories but like nothing solid well my my middle child Otis he got in trouble at school and so he couldn't go to aftercare on Monday and you know so that meant I would pick him up and scold him harshly and teach him the right ways and 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 Karen was like my wife Karen was like she was like just go be go let me be the disciplinarian tonight why why don't you just go enjoy Otis I was like okay, fine, you know, because I'm all like, no, I will be a great father, you know, like, no, you know, so so we went to the park, and we played with the ducks, fed the ducks, and then we went to a restaurant, and finally I said, okay, like, what happened, and we got to, you know, this really funny place about, now it's a family thing that we, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, did I hit you? I, I was politely hitting you, you know, because he's like, well, I hit him politely, and I was, I bust out laughing, he started laughing, I was like, bruh you know it was beautiful it was really sweet and we'll see if it works I don't know and um the next day I woke up and I was like man I'm fine and I've felt better ever since
0: I love that because I think some of those things you just mentioned really speak to sort of like what we're trying to do here in this podcast mm-hmm. is like to show people how you didn't grow up In the church, or being indoctrinated with a certain way of viewing God or reality or whatever, theology. And yet, you didn't have to be taught to experience and know just in a human way because you're just alive and you just know it that there's things that you have encountered or experienced that are beyond just what we can see, sort of, in our physical reality. If you're like me, as a busy mom with little kids, or just a busy human living in this world that we live in, sometimes it's hard to find time to sit down and read. So, a lot of the books that you're hearing us reference, or authors that we discuss in the podcast, recommendations from our guests, you might be curious about reading one of those books. So, I highly recommend Audible. I have had an Audible membership for years. I love it. It's totally worth it to me. Listening to books, it's so accessible in the car, throughout your day, while you're working out, whatever it is. And if you're interested in trying Audible out, we can get you a 30-day free trial with their Plus membership, which is only $7.95 a month after that trial. Um, And that one, you have access to their full Audible library. If you want the Premium Plus, which is one where you can actually also get a book that's outside of their library each month you get a download uh, that's only fourteen ninety five a month that's the one that I have either one you can try for free 30 days if you go to our website kismet-podcast.com slash audible and continue um, growing within yourself and with others through books
2: Sure, I'll tell you my story now. Um, now that I'm more prepared. So I, on my 10 year anniversary of marriage, I had to go home and tell my then wife that we were not going to be married anymore. It was horrifying, um, and it was an agreed upon thing. It wasn't just me coming home. We're done. I, I hadn't. I think I. I was living at a friend's house for like a month or two, trying to just meditate on what to do. And it was really, really, really uh, pretty awful. I mean, like, you know, some people get a divorce and, well, I'll, I'll never forget this. Like, I, was, I went out with a friend of mine to this, like, thing, this event in Denver. And I got, like, a, a, a barbecue sandwich and a beer. And I sat down to eat it. And the next day, she and I were hanging out. And she was like, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize how sad you are about all this. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I've never seen someone who looks as sad. I'm starting to cry now. I've never seen someone who looks as sad as you right now. And I was like, I'm getting a divorce. She was like, a lot of people are really happy to be getting a divorce. Why aren't you happy? And I was like, I didn't want to get a divorce. I didn't want to do any of this. Like, I wanted to stay married, but I can't get her to do what I need her to do. You know, so basically just she just just wasn't home. Let's just put it that way. She just wasn't around for years, like really bad. Anybody who knows me from that time will tell you I never even met her. You know, now, like, everybody knows my wife, like, everybody, like, because she's with me all the time. Like, we're, like, out front doing stuff together. So I was really depressed, like, deeply depressed. And that summer I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to get rid of a bunch of stuff and just, like, go visit friends. And so I just told friends, like, hey, you know, if you have a couch, a basement, a roof, a yard, anywhere I can sleep and come hang out for a couple days, a week, a month, whatever – And, you know, lots of wonderful friends said, yeah, come on. So I just went, you know, on a little journey before the fall started and had to go back to uh, University of Colorado Boulder and be a professor. And it was great. You know, I, I had a great time. It was healing. You know, I mean, I was still completely busted up inside. But it was like that was a good move. Then I got back to Boulder and had to get back to work. And about three weeks in, I was living with my best friend Still, my best friend, and it was a lovely situation. I mean, it's a beautiful place. We had cheap rent somehow. It was a great situation, and I had a great room. I mean, it was it was great, and I was just like, just too depressed. And and then I, and I was dating, and that was not going well. I should have just taken not done that but you know you're lonely and you're so ready to go be in love with someone and just have connection and so then you're very vulnerable and blah, 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 blah. so it was going very badly <laughs> it was not so going well
0: teaching like literature out? i
2: was teaching uh, yes at university of colorado yeah um i was not a full-time professor um i was an adjunct professor which if anyone knows what that is uh yeah, it's not, not a good thing.
0: I used to be one of those, too.
2: Oh, uh, yes. well, And
0: it just means you're a professor, but you just don't
2: get paid. It means they treat you like garbage money. and yeah. pay you nothing, and everybody thinks you're rich. And you're like, no, yeah. I can't. I'm, I'm practically on food stamps. Yeah, it's really bad. And, yeah, I was just like, about halfway th- through the semester, I was just like, this isn't what I want to do. Like, I, wanna, I just want to go. You know, I looked at how things were going on. I had my business, and I was like, you know what? I can just, like... I did COVID before COVID happened, basically. Like, I was like, I can just work remotely, make all the money I need to make, and da-da-da. Long story short, I decided I would just go visit friends again. And while I was visiting Judy Jordan, uh, my mentor at Southern Illinois University Carbondale, I pitched a tent in her yard because she has all these dogs, and I love the dogs, but, like, you know, they're just kind of all over the place. And I was like, you know, I just need, like, kind of my own space. And it was like man, this is, this is really nice. <laughs> and on a whim, I went to Walmart and there was a 12 person tent. And I was like, I think I pulled up the phone and said, if I pitch a 12 person tent in your yard, can I stay there for a while? She goes, of course you can, Andrew. Yeah, that's, that's that's like a gr- that's a good impression of her. Of course you can. And I was like, okay. So I bought this 12 person tent, pitched it in her yard and like ran an electrical cord out to it. There's a poem about it. And like, just live there for three months. I, like, got a bed. I got a couch. I got, I mean, you, you should uh, go on Facebook. There are pictures of this. Like, go on my website. There's pictures of it. It, it's, it was awesome. And so, basically, that became the thing was to tra- was to find places to pitch this tent for a little while. And basically, you needed to have somebody who was willing to share their electricity and share their bathroom because there's, you know, no, no bathroom in a tent. And so, I would go to the various places, pitch the tent, and all in a Volkswagen, by the way. Like, not a big car or anything. So... On the way to Los Osos, so Los Osos is right, it's the, it's, called, it's the two bears. Los Osos, California, it's on the California coast, sort of equidistant between San Francisco and Los Angeles, and it's really close to San Luis Obispo. Um, so if you just Google that, you'll go, oh, I see where he was, and that's where I got this tattoo. On the way there, I had always wanted to go camping in Utah, because who doesn't just want to go camping in Utah, right? just makes sense. So this is January, and the weather was, was good. So I was like, I called up Annie, who, whose house I was going to stay at. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to go. I'm just going to take a little side trip. I'm going to camp in, in Utah for like a week. Because the weather is going to be good for like a week in January. It's like, okay. I'm right there. She was like, oh, take your time. So I got to the Needles District of Canyonlands National Park. And when I got there, the park, the park ranger person was literally like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, what? Well, I, I was going to camp. He's like, bruh, it's January. Like, you can't it's not i was like well the next week is good weather he's like fair enough okay proceed and i was like well here's my money and he was like you don't need to pay you're the only person here just go (laughs) no no kidding he's like you're not
0: gonna last long yeah
2: no that's (laughs) oh and he literally said this is not a joke he said if it snows a lot i'll come dig you out for a month the weather was unreal so I can't in this one spot and just explore this park for a whole month. I mean, I went off map, off I like literally threw away a map and went because you can see for miles and also because I'm a little I don't know exactly what that is. I got really into animal tracking, so I was like track I tracked a cricket literally. I've got a picture of this. Like I actually found cricket tracks and like attract some um, little gray wolves back to their den like it was amazing like it was amazing okay so this poem comes from that experience and in in the midst of that experience i mean i am like it's not going well i won't go into this but i had just ended a relationship with a woman who was like hell bent on destroying my life so i i it wasn't going well so all right this is faith It took longer than expected, the rise of the sun. But it was brilliant, the silent traffic of contrails that crisscrossed the sky, one of them heading due west as he gazed due east, so that it appeared to ascend the heavens like a spider burning on its thread, its fumes growing hotter and wider the higher it climbed. Then the sun did rise. Or, more accurately, the earth rolled over in its bed of stars so that our star appeared at first as a single point of light, opening its eye upon the salt rim of the horizon to fill it with light. Detail upon detail emerged. The canyon below was suddenly articulate and vast in all species of color. The purple sage at his feet cast a shadow and thus took on dimension. The sand at his feet was clearly constructed of particles the naked eye could now discern. A coyote yowled at his back as the day's first stellar jays whined all around him. You can go on, the man said to himself as if in the midst of a dialogue with it all. The sun, he thought, as the shadow of a raven passed over, rises in the east. And the moon, he said aloud, as the raven itself alighted in a box elder, leaves you somewhere in the West. When the raven ruffled its wings, its shadow ruffled its wings. When the raven shifted its weight, the box elder rattled like rain sticks, he thought. Like prayer, he said, as he turned back to his campsite. Like the faith, he uttered to the shadow of himself climbing the trail ahead of him, that we will learn to love again. Yeah, so... I used to, <laughs> this is funny, not funny, it's, it's neat because my wife will totally attest to this. I used to wake up every morning at four in the morning and I didn't know why. I think I know why. That is when the earth is its coldest. That's when it's released all of the heat from the sun that it's gathered all day. And then that's when it gets its coldest. But then when it starts to gather warmth again because the sun is, you know, it's over here, but it's coming. You know, and that, that, that radiance bends around through the magnetic field or whatever. I don't know. So I'd wake up at 4 a.m. I would often call her, um, usually in a state of um, disrepair, you know. I started a practice of, well, you're up now, you know, and I would get up. And, you know, while you're camping out there by yourself and there's nobody around, you could just sort of do anything. and I would just, you know, walk around this and that and the other and watch the sunrise a lot. I just remember this one particular it's just like the poem says. I it was right behind my campsite. I crouched down and there was just nothing, you know, stars, you know. But then as the sun rose, all of a sudden, everything started to like <laughs> metabolize? Is that the right word? Ma- materialize? Materialize? Not metabolize. Well, maybe. But you know, it. everything started to take on dimension, you know, so the 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 mic stand wasn't really a thing, but when the sun hit it and it cast a shadow, it was undeniable. oh yeah, and then i I remember like the sand like like it was like you could see because the sun's coming at the the like the like the lowest angle possible, so it's casting shadow on sand. I'm sure you've seen this at some point, like like it, you know, and it's like, oh, the ground is made of these tiny little particles, you know and and I mean, these particles are billion years old. I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, and so it's like something about that. I mean, in the midst of some really horrible stuff, I mean, just, just really, really really, like who wouldn't be suicidal in the midst of all this. I mean, of course I was, you know, I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't do this. And then it's like, you know, just, it just came to me. It's like, look at the perfect creations of God that are right at your feet, like all the way out there and right here. Like, you know, love is a creation of God as well is going to be findable. And it's going to be real and genuine and not destructive. It's going to work out.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Kismet. It's been great to share this with you guys today. It would help us out a lot um, if you would be able to go to wherever you're getting your podcast from. If you would, please rate and review us. That would be wonderful. And subscribe as well, especially um, on Apple Podcasts. If you go to kismet-podcast.com, there's a link there that says Support Kismet. And that's the link to go to to find ways that you can support our work so that we can continue working on bringing these stories to you. Share us on social media. We do have Instagram and Facebook. And would just love to be able to spread this conversation a little bit more widely. For more info, again, go to our website, kismet-podcast.com. And thank you so much for supporting us by doing these things. It really does make a big difference. In watching you try to describe this, I feel a, a solidarity with you because I feel like I can identify with it's really hard to put this into words. It's really hard to convey the experience of what I, the word I would use is like, you had this very real experience of oneness of oneness with mm. the imminence
2: mm-hmm.
0: of the divinity of the grain of sand.
2: That sounds good to me. Yeah. And how <laughs> <laughs> That's better. <laughs> and how we've talked
0: about this before. It makes me think about lemons. Like we talked about in the first episode, we, <laughs> the eternality of lemons, but you were like, you were experiencing the eternality of these, of the grain of sand and of the sunlight and like of everything that that's there all the time.
2: Yeah. It's right there, but
0: we don't see it all the time mm-hmm. because we're living in the day to day important things, right? We're living mm-hmm. in this like functional level
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you caught a glimpse of like the generosity
2: mm-hmm.
0: of the earth and the generosity of, God in the earth Mm -hmm. and the just the the miraculous nature of the tiniest building blocks of the world. Yeah. That no matter what's happening in your chaotic relationship or whatever, Mm -hmm. like that's there. Mm
2: -hmm. And so are you.
0: And so yeah. You were created. And I am part of that. And I'm one. Exactly. I'm one with this. But it's this like
1: as you contemplate your surroundings, you become the surroundings. Mm -hmm. As the sun is rising, it's casting the shadow. It does it every day. It doesn't ask for attention. It doesn't ask for permission. It's just, it's doing it because it's generous and it's just like, this is the flow Mm -hmm. of love in the world. And seeing it once and really seeing it and realizing this happens every day and it doesn't ask for my attention or love. It's Mm -hmm. just doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I am sewn into in the same way. Mm -hmm. Like in the same way there is, we all get caught up in all of, like, the minutiae of our lives, and yet the sun is still rising, it's still casting shadows, there's still, like, the first instance that the sun is visible to our eyes, as you said, like, as the world turns over, like, the sun isn't moving, we're moving. Yep. And as soon as we roll over in our beds and see the first little wink of sun, that's when the shadows cast the longest. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all of this is happening, and we're just we just get to be part of it.
2: Right. I think what I was learning on that trip, I guess I was finding myself. Or or maybe I was educating myself. It was like, you've got to understand that, like, the next relationship, you don't know how that's going to work out either. The next marriage, you don't know how that's going to work out either. But what I think I did determine was the next time you're really fully in love, these errors in love that are happening – are happening so that you can learn what love is really for you and how that's going to, to operate. And that's what I really, really, really needed. I've needed that my whole life. I think I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm knocking <Yeah>. on wood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, like,
0: say that, that's so true. Like, I learned that lesson early on as well, which is that, like, the tighter I attempt to control, or, like, the tighter I cling to my perceived plans of what's going to be right. Right. Then the more suffering I create for myself, but also the more I, I miss the like good that's happening. What needs to arise is going to arise. Right. And that that often means like getting well acquainted with pain and suffering as well, because yeah. through you had to experience the suffering that you did in those relationships in order to have the perspective and appreciation mm-hmm. and groundedness that you have now in this area of your life. And yep. so we don't minimize that the suffering was real, but we also acknowledge that, like, the mystery of that.
2: Yeah, you know, the mystery and the game like It's intertwined. I th- mean, it's, it you, can't have, one with, you no. can't
0: have one without the other.
2: Right. One of the things that makes me feel, it makes it easier to accept what I've gone through you know, we're we're talking about the last like 12 years, like it's, it's, there's been a lot as, as for anybody. But one thing that brings me solace, that's the word is like, my parents didn't like date. I mean, they did, I guess, but like, not really, they didn't go to Woodstock, like they found each other and got married and that was it. So like when difficulties arose in relationships, they were like, I don't, I mean, I don't know, you know, like, you know, they didn't have any real, they didn't have a lot of guidance, you know. And like when these, when the, when these horrible things happened, I mean, it was like, just, I don't know, ignore it and run away. Like, well, that's not going to work, you know. (laughs) That's that's not going to work. You can't do that. Well, what else was there to do? I didn't know what to do. So the horrible, difficult, sad, hard things that you go through, it, it is nice that when it happens to your kids, you can be like, Oh, yes, let me tell you a story. You know, like you've got like a, a wealth of experience to pull from that maybe it's not the exact same experience, but at least it's, it's related. That makes me feel like, okay, like there was a reason for this stuff to happen. It was great. It molded me out of the fire. No, 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 no. It helps me take care of my little girl when, like, when my little girl becomes a cheerleader in high school and the other cheerleaders uh, shun her because she's brown. How about that? That is going to happen. Something just like that's going to happen. I've got a story for that, and so does Karen. We've got something. Like, okay, now what do you do about that? Well, it's hard to say, but I can relate. Here's what I did about it here. I mean, with my folks, like, like so I grew up in Sylvan Park in the 80s. Like, if you're unaware of this, it was not somewhere you wanted to grow up. It was a really, 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 there's a reason it's become such a popular neighborhood because everybody could buy the houses for $40,000 and footprint for $400,000. You know, they, they just didn't get it. It was like, Dad, like I can't go outside without someone trying to beat me up. Well, I'll just learn how to fight. Well, this is one me. I wasn't gonna fight people, and of course I did because I had to. But like, that's not. I mean, that was a fight or flight. So, like, it, it, it's really about two things. One, it's about like my experience and trying to and finding my family and surviving my trauma of my divorce. But it's also just about trauma that's why it's called fight or flight you know it's, it's about trauma and like trauma comes in so many different ways and they just didn't get it you know and so you know that's not a criticism it's just there was a bit of a blindness there a lack of openness they were surviving their own stuff right. it's that's difficult was, that
0: was, yeah that's the language I was gonna throw in mm-hmm. there was just the understanding of like their system of protectors inside that learn to deal with things by distancing themselves from right. it. And so then because they aren't able to be with their own pain, they also couldn't step into your pain with you. Right. And so as you experience your own pain, as painful as it is, and we don't want to diminish that reality because it is it's extremely hard. The things that you've experienced It's also, as you show up for that in yourself, you're now able to show up for your kids and for other humans and that in reality that's how we survive trauma that's how we heal from trauma is by experiencing that we're not alone
2: Mm.
0: and that somebody else can see and fully witness the depth of our pain and be with us in that anyway
2: Mm. well that's helpful that's you're a therapist you say (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wow, this is working out really well for me. That will be
0: 165
1: (laughs) No!
2: I knew there was... I'll give you a bug.
1: (laughs) When you think about... we, We ask this question every week. When you think about this experience, and you think about the sentence, like, the universe is so much more blank than I realized, or than I had previously thought. When you think about this experience, when you think about, like, put yourself in this moment, and it's like, okay, the universe is so much more something...
2: I'm debating this the answer but it's not I'm not getting anywhere else small I already understand as well as I can the the vastness of the universe I mean it's like I remember learning about the stars and stuff like I'm a big star guy and like what I didn't understand is how tiny it is like if the universe is infinite that means it's small because the part that you're experiencing is like the word small doesn't even apply because infinite Is like you can't. There's no size when everything is so large. It's inexplicably large, so that means everything is infinitesimal. That's why the grains of sand were so interesting to me. So it's gigantic and tiny at the same time. So, like, I think the cliches are, you know, it's a small world after all. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is it's small and it's gigantor at the same time, and that means, you know, you are small and you are also gigantic at the same time. Right? It's like, who do you want to go be today? Do you want to be small, or do you want to be big? You know?
0: The intimacy and the, like, vastness of us.
2: I like that way of putting it, yeah.
1: It almost feels like, so when you say the big, small, the intimate, the right. enormous, There's, it feels like the difference between, when you say, it's so small because of infinity. Like, there right. are, it is boundaryless, and right. so you it almost means that you have to surrender the expectation that you can hold it in any meaningful way. Yeah, something like that. And so it's like, it's less of, oh, I have this cup of water in my hands. And it's more like, oh, there's an ocean. Now I just get to swim. Mm -hmm. Like, there is no expectation that I hold or understand or perceive the entirety of this thing. So now I don't
0: have to.
2: Don't worry about it.
0: The personal is universal.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I I have to get my James Finley quote in, which is... We tend to absolutize the relative and relativize the absolute.
2: I have no idea what that
0: means.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And on that, we just like
0: how we over-identify with the day-to-day things that feel so important. Ah,
2: yeah. And
0: then we tend to under-identify with the things that we're talking about right now, which are like more the sort of the true nature of things and it's not denying that our relative experience is also important and valid because it is but it's the both and
2: yeah it's probably less important than you think it is
0: and not i don't know if importance the right word i think like less universal or less absolute and Mm. and when we can live in the tension between those things Mm. being with both of them like the reality that the grain of sand's going to be here regardless of what's happening in my drama and also the fact that i think the beauty is that the gra- the grain of sand is there to listen and witness my drama mm. and my pain
2: and yeah, of course and that it's, that's
0: like real too of course
2: right? it matters yeah you know, because i matter because i'm part of right. this
0: world yeah i'm and the preciousness of the sand is also the preciousness of me
1: mm. mm-hmm.
0: in the light of this
1: experience if you could change someone's mind or influence them to think with a certain lens given the the experience
2: that you had what would that look like well so i have a day job that i do as well and yesterday i was talking to my boss and then he said something that i've been pissed off about ever since on the way here i was talking to myself about it again (laughs) and i kind of responded in kind for the first time i was like okay How about this? You know, it was fine. Everything worked out just fine. But it's been really bothering me. And in this conversation, I've been going, in the back of my mind, I've been going, yeah, you don't need to worry about that. Like, that was fine. He did have a valid point that was perfectly okay. It was just the way he delivered it kind of made me feel small. But, you know, like, he's just a boss. It's not. He's not perfect. And he had a valid point. And moving forward, I'll be like, check that. Make sure that's done right, because it needs to be done right. That's fine. I don't mind the criticism. It's the feeling that comes with it. What the poem is saying is the same thing. It's going to be okay. My second book is called Visiting Hours, and it's about uh, my friend Mary Interlandy, who took her own life in 2003 by jumping off the parking garage attached to the Sheraton downtown. And I Just really wish that I had been able. (laughs) She 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 couldn't hear it from me. I really wish that she had just been able to hear from somebody like that concept and and been able to really believe it because she clearly did not believe it. Like it's gonna be okay. I was teaching myself through that camping trip, you know, that it's going to be okay. And, you know, I found Karen, who I'd gone to high school with. I mean, what a weird, like, what are the chances of that? You know, I found Karen, and I found her babies and our babies, and I wrote this book. And I'm literally so happy that I don't really think about even writing poetry anymore. That was, like, my entire life for practically 30 years. Like, so whatever it is i know it's cliche it's going to be all right
0: just the beauty of what i hear you saying is in acknowledging that like we are so much safer than we could ever realize and at the same time like our experiences of not feeling safe are also real right and like the difference between when we're so identified with our experience only at the surface <laughs> level of like our internalized traumas and the ways we traumatize each other. We're believing that those experiences or those feelings, the feeling you got from your boss have any power to name anything about who we really are Mm -hmm. or the true nature of, of things Mm -hmm. that they are real and they matter. And like they have no say on what's really true about us. And so we can be in both of those places and feel our pain. And at the same time, also know that it is going to be okay because ultimately everything is okay
2: because it's really okay
0: thank you so much thank you this has been yeah awesome and we'll definitely link your books your website where people can find you in the show notes and thank you so much for sharing your story
2: thank you this has been a lot of fun appreciate it all
0: right this must be